Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Episode 36, we're talking about listening prayer today. Hello, my father. Hello, daughter. We are together in person today. This is great. Yes. I love seeing the smile on your face mm-hmm. and the twinkle in your eye. You this, are fabulous. This is fun. This is I, fun. I have an icebreaker for us today. Oh, okay. It's really simple. Milk or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. Ooh. Yeah, that didn't take long, did it? Yeah. Because in my mind, you were asking, do I rather have a glass of milk oh, or some right. dark chocolate? Now all of a sudden I realized, no, she meant milk chocolate or dark chocolate. Uh, that is a tougher question. I was going to say, <laughs> my immediate tough... response would be dark chocolate, but I thought you might waffle a little bit on it. I, uh, I actually do waffle on that. I would say for years it was milk chocolate. As I get older, dark is growing on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, if we're talking milk or chocolate milk, yeah, chocolate milk, but yeah, <laughs> very That's good. pretty funny. Yay. Yeah, it is funny. For years, I, I when I was like in my 20s, I, I used to drink milk by the gallons per week. It was just, oh, that wow. was my drink of choice. So, <laughs> Wow. I, you know, it's funny. I, I'm not a milk drinker. I don't, I'll drink milk like in things. And, but if I ever have a glass just of milk, it's probably with a really decadent cookie or something because I need the balance. But yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think, uh, you know, uh, being an athlete looking for something relatively healthy to drink and uh, like I can't drink pop, all the, you know, you got to drink something relatively healthy. Milk was sort of the go to thing. Keep so. those bones strong. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Learn something new all the time. So. Last week, we talked about connecting with God and also some of the um, my experience at the Asbury outpouring, revival, people are calling it many things. Um, well, we were just at Asbury campus this morning, so it was really cool to uh, kind of be in the environment and, and get a sense of what might have been happening there. It really has died down, though. There were no crowds left, but you could see the aftermath uh, just in terms of mm-hmm. the damage that had been done to the campus. But I won't oh, oh, I know. The, <laughs> the grass shredded up by cars and all the but, things. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, it was... Yeah, people people are carrying it off off yeah. into other churches and um and they're really prioritizing uh the youth right now and yeah. and doing a great job of continuing continuing the outpouring among the youth. It's really lovely. So uh this week um I wanted us to kind of continue that conversation by talking more about prayer and specifically the practice of listening prayer. But before we even get into those specifics, uh, could you talk about prayer in general? I, this yeah, is no, really large. A... Sometimes, I, I, So I'm thinking, gosh. I'm in favor of it. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, oh, I'm glad, <laughs> glad to hear. I'm like, yeah. sometimes we memorize or med- meditate on prayer. Um, sometimes we're just talking casually to God in conversation. Sometimes we're meeting with another person or in a group for prayer support, um, prayer journaling. There's just, there's so many different ways that, that prayer, um, is integral to our walk with God and with other people. But I just thought maybe especially um, from the angle of connecting with God. Yeah. So I, here's what I would start is maybe a little bit different than some. And that is I find that um, whatever attachment issues that I have tend to be reflected in my prayer life. Hmm. And so, for example, if I have a dismissive attachment, uh, the prayer is often like 
you know, pulling teeth. It's just really hard to pray. And I was this way most of my life. And I know a lot of people uh, like me who studying the Bible was easy. You could study the Bible all day long. Talking to God and felt weird because it wasn't really a conversation. You know, you'd say something and you weren't sure if anything else was happening. Are and my prayers bouncing off the ceiling. Yeah, the yeah. Thing. And so uh, it felt like, you know, I've got to come up with a longer list so that I can have a longer prayer time because, uh, you know, good people and good Christians have long prayer times, right? That's kind of how it felt. And so for a long, a lot of time, years, I just felt as a total failure when it came to prayer. And I think it was partly because that dismissiveness came out. And then if you have a distracted attachment thing, too, it can be the similar way um, where now, and to be perfectly honest, one of the things I noticed is a lot of people had a reputation for being prayer warriors, in my opinion, were mostly monologuers, right? They're the, <laughs> they're the people who, you know, they could launch on anything and talk, you know, all by themselves for an hour. And so, of course, it was easy for them to pray for an hour because that's kind of how they communicated. And I, I, uh, so I, you know, you're probably hearing a little bite in my voice. I was like, uh, I was like, that can't be what, you know, God is after, you know, what's going on here. And uh, it's, I just think that whatever the struggles are that we have in our regular relationships tend to get reflected to a certain extent in our, in our walk with God, as we try to figure out what does this look like? What is this supposed to look like? And then as soon as you ask the question, what is it supposed to look like? You get this performance, you know, thing that, that gets into the picture. And, uh, I know a lot of people who really beat themselves up over their prayer lives. And so, uh, Having said all of that, I think one of the things we're going to talk about is that there are different kinds of prayer for different occasions. It's not like a one-size-fits-all thing. And that depending on where we're at with our, our attachment style and our maturity development is going to affect what our prayer life might look like. Yeah, that's a great segue into... Um, I have beside me a book by Don Whitestone, Strategic Business Prayer. And one of my favorite parts of this book is a chart that goes through five levels of prayer, which um, if you don't have this book, I highly encourage you to pick it up. Dawn is an excellent writer and just she blew my mind with some of these um, parallels she was making in things. And and God led her to to, to the five levels idea. Through listening so, prayer, right? She got yeah. an insight into listening prayer. Go yeah. figure. Yeah, well, no. she, I, and for I think, just let me say one thing oh, before sure. you go further. For those who don't know the name Dawn Whitestone, Dawn is, is the director of the Deeper Walk School of Ministry. Uh, she is a licensed mental health professional, and she has uh, been teaching uh, with Deeper Walk for a long time. And this was one of the first books you helped edit for the uh, mm-hmm. uh, for Deeper Walk uh, several years ago. So, back to you. Yeah, back to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I remember her story correctly, she was in a small group and they were having prayer time, and somebody was praying, and uh, and Don just heard God say, like, well, that's a level five prayer. And she's like, level five? What are one, two, three, four? I got to know. Yeah, exactly. That's why <laughs> I remember so, the story too. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm just looking at the chart here. So level one is rote prayers, which would be like table and bedtime prayers. Level two, specific requests to God. Um, she has listed here Psalms or prayer of Jabez. Um, level three, conversation, listening to God for myself. Um, level four, conversational conversation, listening to God for those I know, um, or level five conversation, listening to God for those he knows, um, which would be like, 
interceding, God calling you to intercede for people. You don't even know who they are, but you're praying for them. Yeah, no, it, it's a really good list. And I, you know, as I've thought about it, I, I and I think about how maturity connects to praying. I, I've tended to look at it like like this, and that is that at the infant level. I'm listening to people pray. I'm watching them pray. Um, it's it's this idea of the mirror neurons in my brain are seeing people at work, and they're and and so at this nonverbal level, level, I'm processing what it is to pray. And so for a lot of baby Christians, this is where they're starting. They're just kind of watching what's going on and seeing, okay, what is this prayer thing all about? How does this work? And it really helps to have mentors in this area so you can see what it looks like. Well, and I think that's a service also that can, um, that's one of the benefits of liturgy. If you're in a liturgical service, is that kind of, is like a guide. Yeah, there's a sense of you getting to watch, but also even in, in private prayer, like my in my family, I got to watch my family pray. And so I had a sense of, you know, what that looked like. And then as I go up to child level, that's where I get into the rote prayers and where it's like, repeat after me, here's the Lord's Prayer, here's, you know, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. That kind of, I don't know if that's a good one. But, you know, there's a, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, let's traumatize the kids just before they go to sleep. But I think that uh, we're um, uh, talking about, uh, but there is this sense of guiding somebody and saying, here's what the next thing is to prayer. Then you go up. Maybe older child level is now where you start making lists and you're like, okay, here's my list of things to pray for. And then you start moving into the adult level where I'm having a conversational connection with God. And then at the parent level, you're passing that skill on. And I what what with the level five thing that Dawn originally, you know, kind of popped in her head was really at the intercessory level where God is sort of telling you what to pray about. Um, and I've read about intercessors like this who sort of like they don't create prayer lists. They go to God in prayer and God basically tells them what to pray about. And sometimes they're praying about things they don't even know. Uh, you know, what's happening. It's happening on the other side of the world, and God is just like, I need somebody praying about this thing right here. And like years later, they find out that at exactly that moment, you know, something happened on the other yeah. side of the world, right? Yeah, that was, I was going to say, sometimes they'll they'll find out what they were praying for, sometimes they don't, and sometimes it's years down the line. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's helpful to understand though that there are different levels of this, and some of it has to do with how far um, down the road we are in our own maturity development and our own attachment style, and also just uh, some of the holes that in, in our other areas of walk can pack, um, pop up in our prayer life. Very good. So listening prayer specifically, what is it and what is it not? So listening prayer, I'll be honest, I discovered listening prayer uh, kind of in the deep end of the pool, and that was we discovered it in the context of, like, healing of memories. Mm -hmm. Which we'll talk about in our next Which we'll talk about, yeah, in our next session. But I think that uh, because of that, I was – I knew that it happened, I knew that it it worked, but I wasn't – I had no experience with it. So I did not grow up with an expectation. Um, Listening prayer and conversational prayer were never held up to to me in my uh, early Christian years is something to strive for uh, or an expectation. And every now and then you'd hear somebody come in and say, oh, the Lord impressed upon me to do this or said, you know, the Lord told me that. And I'm like, who is this strange person and should I trust them? They sound strange, right? The first person that really made sense, really connected with me was actually Neil Anderson. And uh, I was t- taking people through the steps to freedom and realized that the steps to freedom was essentially an exercise in listening prayer. And I may be jumping too far ahead here, but the idea is that in, in steps to freedom, what you do is somebody will do a rote prayer 
And they'll ask a question like, Father, would you please bring to my mind anybody I need to forgive? And then the exercise was, just tell me the first things that come into your mind, and let's go from there. Well, began to realize that's listening prayer. It's where I ask God a question, and then I pay attention to those thoughts that come into my mind and realize I've been doing this with people for years and didn't realize, you know, that's really what conversational prayer is. So then I heard a a talk by Neil at uh, I actually would think it was on a on a cassette tape you know but it, he uh, uh, where he talked about having the same revelation that the steps to freedom was actually a listening prayer exercise and so he uh, he said what if I took the same approach to my regular prayer life so he would like read a psalm and would start in prayer and just a regular prayer time. And then he would just say, uh, take, get out two pieces of two notebooks, like two spiral notebooks. And he'd say, Lord, what do you want me to pray about first? And was kind of giving God this opportunity to put something, whatever thought comes to my mind first, that's what I'm going to pray about first. Well, every now and then he'd get random thoughts like, don't forget to take out the you know trash. So that's what the second notebook was for. He'd write down and uh, those things. So he, he, he also, the way he, the second notebook was also for warfare stuff too, wasn't it? It was. So, but he said it wasn't uncommon for him to finish his prayer time and have his to-do list done. But the other thing that was unexpected for him was what you were pointing out was the warfare things. He began noticing the pattern of how Satan attacked his prayer life and the the kind of statements that's, that that would pop into his head trying to sabotage, saying, this is this is a waste of time. God's never going to speak to you. You know, who do you think you are? Whatever it is, you write down all, you know, and he'd start writing those down and he started seeing a pattern and realized those thoughts are coming from the devil to sabotage this because he does not want me developing the kind of intimacy uh, that can come out of this prayer time. So Neil uh, Anderson, again, he was, uh, according to his story, he was the sort of person who studying the Bible was easy. Prayer was like, you know, the hardest thing ever. And uh, all of a sudden, he had this breakthrough that night as he started saying, what if I ask God questions and pay attention to the thoughts in my head and interact with them? And especially then putting that down in writing uh, was uh, very helpful. And he realized his very first time he did this, he had like a 45-minute you know, prayer session when his longest ever was like eight to 10 minutes. And he's like, okay, so this is what these people are doing, right? They're, they're, they're engaging with God, and it is there's a two two-way street to this that um, hadn't seen before. So that was really the story that tipped the scales for me and went, okay, I think I get how this works now. And uh, that was the beginning of, of me beginning to practice listening prayer. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, it's a really good transferable example. Uh, could you speak maybe into some of the pitfalls you've seen people fall into or like what, what is listening prayer not? What do we not yeah. want to? So um First of all, you don't when you're doing listening prayer. One of the the knots is I don't want to then go to somebody and say I have a word from the Lord for you, and uh, this is really that is something that comes way down the line, I think, or something that is unmissable. I I would never go with just a thought popped into my head. <laughs> Therefore, God has spoken, right, and go from there because you got to develop an awful lot of discernment before you get, you know, to be able to trust that. I'm not sure I would ever, I, I've gotten to that level um, where I feel like this thing in my head is, I know it's God, I know it's for you, I, you know, you need to do something about that. That's a little bit um, 
on the edge. Now, I would share sometimes, and I have been in counseling sessions where uh, a thought popped in or an idea popped in. And when I pursued that, it turned out to be exactly what they needed, you know, for the breakthrough they were looking for. But there's a difference between being guided by yes. God and, and pronouncing a thus saith the Lord. Exactly. So we do have to be careful of that. I, I know people, for example, um, I had a, a friend years ago who was told to divorce his wife you know, by somebody who was heard from God in their church. And uh, the wife was told to divorce him, and she did. And on the basis of this this word from somebody. And I also find you got to be careful. That's why sometimes in, in prayer ministries and churches, what can happen at times is that those of us who are just starting into the conversational prayer world, we're just beginning to lean into this. If somebody comes in who looks like They've got this all figured out. You know, every time they talk, God, you know, pray, God speaks to them. You have to be careful because sometimes those those people can begin controlling the whole group because everybody just defers to them out of the assumption that they've got the closest, you know, walk with God. But that can become very manipulative and controlling too. So you have to uh, be careful, right? There are a lot of pitfalls you can fall into when it comes into this. Um, so we talk about testing. How do you test if you're going to? you know, practice listening prayer. And I said, there's three basic ones. And the first one is fruit of the Spirit. And of those, you start with love. And the idea is what is coming in my mind, if I were to follow through on that, would it lead me in a more loving direction or a more selfish direction? And so if I, I think by putting them in opposites like that, it helps. It's like, well, you know, if I follow that, that would not be selfish. That would be a loving thing to do. It might be hard, but that would be loving. Second thing is I ask is, well, does it bring me greater joy or peace? Not in the sense of, is this a happy thought, but does it just settle down in my spirit as, yeah, no, that's the right thing? Because a lot of times these thoughts, honestly, were corrections of my behavior. Like you're not doing, you know, you need to change what you're doing here. Well, that's not a happy thought per se, but it is, It there's a sense of peace like, yeah, but that's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the third one is you're looking for scripture. Right, and that is uh, not everything can be backed up by scripture, but you're looking to make sure it's not contradictory to scripture. So if I get a prompting like you should go talk to that person by the you know who's pumping gas right now, that you can't find a Bible verse for that, but it's not contrary to scripture. So you're looking at that, you're looking for peace, you're looking for is that a more loving thing or a more selfish thing, and so those are kind of the the basic tests that I used to get started. And then and then a, a fourth, once you've gone through those three, would be to share with somebody who yes. can help you with your discernment. And one of the reasons uh, that you know the journey group process that Amy Brown developed. Uh, uh, has people practicing uh, listening prayer in a group setting so they can bounce what they're sensing off of other people and get some guidance to to uh, um, so they're not in this all alone. And that can all be very helpful. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, I had a thought and I kind of lost it, but it might come back in best practices for <laughs> listening prayer. What, were, what would be some best practices um Maybe we've covered testing, so on the yeah actual practice. <laughs> so um, there's two different uh, patterns that I, I'll use more, most frequently. One of them is the manual journaling process that you find in that book, uh, Joyful Journey. Yeah, Joyful <laughs> Journey. I always want to call it Joyful Journaling. <laughs> the Joyful <laughs> Journey uh, that, uh, let's see, Jim Wilder did that with Anna Kong and uh, the Lot Mouse. Yep. So... Uh, that process has been really simple to remember for me, and it starts with interactive gratitude, just what am I thankful for? 
uh, right now, and then ask Jesus, how does that make you feel? What's your response to to that gratitude? And then, and then I journal as if God is speaking to me. So I'm not saying God is saying this, but it's like when I, I'm trying to put myself on his side of the conversation. And so I'll write, I see you. And that is like, I see you sitting in your car, or I see you sitting on the couch, or I see you, you know, it's not a, it doesn't have to be this super intuitive, I see that struggle that's going on inside your heart about this and that and the other. It's just, I, you know, because when he found Hagar, it's like, I see you sitting there next to the well out in the desert. Then the uh, next is, I, I hear you. And this connected it because there's a, a psalm that talks about um, trust in the Lord with all, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what's interesting, the Hebrew word there for desires is actually requests. It says he will give you the requests of your heart. And what that meant to me was a desire is sort of like something I want deep down inside and I don't know how to put it into words. I'm maybe even afraid to tell anybody that's what I really want, but God knows. And so he knows my my deep desires are those deep requests. And so sometimes saying, I hear you, helps me get into the thing of when God looks at what I'm struggling with, what does he see that I'm after? And then I know how big this is, is just sort of God's validation statement. I know how big that emotion is. I know how big this is for you. And then the the I am happy to go through this with you. I'm happy you're bringing it to me, which is just a good reminder. Like God's like, really? Again? You know, <laughs> he he's like, no, I'm... You're doing the right thing, bringing this to me. This is good. And then you finish up with, and I am strong enough to do something about it. And this is often where if you're going to get some kind of guidance or insight, you know, it, it tends to come uh, about there. It struck me as you were saying that the happy to be with you um, is, I'm, I'm reminded of you also talking about the peace and joy in the test of, do I feel peace about this? And you can feel that even when you are being corrected. And I know I, I have felt this before where I can tell if Satan is accusing me by how I feel versus if God is convicting me of something, he's happy to be with me in it. And so I can feel that relational connection with him as, yeah, that wasn't so great, or you should do this you know differently. But I know that he's with me in it. So. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the very first times I remember being aware of this was I was upset with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've told this story, but yeah. Yeah. Totally right. Again. So it was one, of, it was just one of the first times we're down in Texas or, and I'm on my uh, way to the store and I'm just rehearsing in my mind all the reasons why I'm justified being upset with her. And, uh, all of a sudden this random thought, it's kind of surprising thought. And I have heard, uh, Carl Amen say this about listening prayer that that um not as well as bringing love and peace and being biblical that's often surprising. So this the uh, surprising thought was that uh it just caught me up short sure, it says Marcus you're just having a pity party. And the way it was said I almost laughed, right? It wasn't a condemning thing. It was but it got my attention called me up short and within a couple of minutes had reframed the whole conversation in my head. And so that's what I mean. It was corrective, and but it uh, got my attention, and it got me on a direction that I had a lot of peace about. That this is, you know, this is a path that leads to the fruit of the spirit. So I think I said before yeah, there were two. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. So the uh, there's the manual journaling thing, and then the other is really is the Neil Anderson approach, and it is more of a uh, God as I come to you today, and you know, and I'm connected. 
what's the first thing uh, that you want to talk that we should talk about? You know, something it could be, you know, the earthquake that just happened over in Syria and Turkey. I want you to pray for those people. Or sometimes it's like there's this tension going on between these two people at church. Pray into that. And so rather than me sitting down and before I connect to God making my list, I'm sort of making my list conversationally as we go through it together. So those are the two main things I would Mm -hmm. uh, lay out there as patterns. With that, I'm reminded of um, an exercise that we did in Dr. Seaman's class, in my my J-term class. Um, It was... uh, we we were we got with another person in the class and we were supposed to just to ourselves on our own piece of paper at first ask Jesus what does he want to tell you about yourself right now and then ask Jesus what he wants like Jesus what do you want to tell me about this my my group partner um and then we would share with each other what Jesus wanted us to tell each other about their group. And, and we all, we did kind of a voting uh, around the room and everybody felt like they did hear something and it was, it felt truly from Jesus. And, um, and over half, I want to say of the class raised their hands to say that it felt like the things that people were asked to pray for about themselves and the thing that the other person was asked to pray for about them matched up. Um, and yeah, it was just crazy. Mine was all capitals rest. So <laughs> <laughs> my partner was like, I'm sorry. Um, I, I asked Jesus and I just all caps rest. Anyway, so that's all my caps own. rest. rest. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's kind of funny how that happens. Well, you know, and on that line, I, I was at Thrive doing an exercise like this. And I've spent years telling people I'm a teacher, not a leader. And uh, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a teacher. And it was interesting because when I did the uh, the exercise for the first time ever, it was like, I felt like I was saying, no, actually, you're a leader who teaches. And I was like, mm, wait, that is completely <laughs> backwards. You know, are you sure? So it was really uh, kind of the beginning of, of something for me of having to actually deal with some healing related to the idea of leading. And um, yeah, so all those things factored together, and it also brings in this group dynamic again. One of the things we're trying to do at Deeper Walk a little more often is be intentional about uh, gathering people in groups to pray about important decisions and pray about strategies and things like that. Um, so that's uh, uh, that can be very helpful in, in group settings, too. And because also what you're checking for in a group setting is to what extent not just are we getting the same thing, but to what extent are we getting complementary things? Mm-hmm. Like somebody might get one word and somebody has something totally unrelated, but it puts a boundary on it or it takes it a step further or it clarifies mm-hmm. uh, something. And so, and sometimes by the time you put them all together, you begin getting something like, okay, I think we're landing on a on a decision here we can all uh, get on board with. Yeah, good word. Well, hey, we're about out, out of time. Next week, we're going to be going deeper into listening prayer and its role in healing. But for now, any final thoughts for this episode? Well, again, I go back where I started, and that is there is something about um, if you find that you really struggle with prayer, uh, there uh, is a good chance that there are some attachment patterns. You might want to be looking like, do I have this problem in any any other relationships? And then also pay begin to pay attention to what are those thoughts that sabotage your prayer life every time you start to d- get serious about it. Like every time I start to sit down here, what is, what are the thoughts? Is it just a barrage of distracting thoughts or are they actually accusational thoughts? And I think if you begin to pay attention to those, 
um, write them down, get them out there. Uh, it can help to get past that initial hurdle that takes so many of us out quickly, and that is that we never get past the initial distracting and accusational thoughts. Mm-hmm. Good word. Thank you, Daddy. And thank you all for joining us on the trail today. Deeper Walk International is a nonprofit organization, and we partner with people like you in order to do what we do. Some are on the trail with us as official trailblazers who commit to donating $25 or more per month. Because of our trailblazers, we are able to provide free or discounted resources like this free podcast or our free January conference or our video streaming service, The Learning Library Basic. So, as we close out today, we invite you to consider becoming a trailblazer. You can do this very simply by visiting our website, deeperwalkinternational.org trailblazers. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the Deeper Walk podcast, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.